Designer. My name is Jake Van Ness from Graphic Precision, and I'm here with my co-host, Carl, from Holy Carp Design. How you doing, Carl? Good morning, Jake. Pretty good. Been a little busy this week, but uh, life is good. 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 Well, let's just jump right into it. So this week for Design News, it's kind of interesting. We are both pretty much Adobe users. We use all the Adobe apps for everything we do with our design business or creative businesses. But there are competitors out there. Uh, for example, there's Quark for the competitor to InDesign. But there's actually another company out there called Serif that has been really making some noise lately. They came out with a photo app for both the desktop and the iPad, I want to say back in 2006, 2007. And then they won App of the Year for Affinity Photo. And Affinity is like the branding that Serif uses for all of their uh, different creative apps. Um, so Affinity Photo actually won the Apple App of the Year in 2017 and had some pretty big endorsements from some pretty big-name photographers. So that was interesting to see. And then they also have Affinity Designer, which is their design software to basically compete with a little bit with Photoshop. Obviously, their photo one is to more compete with Photoshop, but it's to compete with Illustrator mostly, um, a little bit with design. But that's their other side. So like we, we have Illustrator for our vector work. Designer is basically their vector work platform. Well, the news that they just came out with, uh, actually, I think it was yesterday, is that they now have an iPad app for graphic designers that works with the Apple Pencil. So they now have an Affinity Designer app for iPad Pro that works with the Pencil, which is huge because that Pencil support is really, really awesome. It basically works with the drawing with pressure, tilt, angle. Um, it also has the iCloud Drive integration so that the files you work on on your iPad can be saved to the cloud, and then you can open them up in the Affinity Designer on your desktop. It also uh, supports professional color space, such as CMYK, Lab, RGB, and grayscale models. Um, it works as well in a 16-bit per channel editing. It, it is pretty impressive. This is definitely something I'm going to look into, mostly because of this. It's $13.99. For an iPad, wow. some people are like, God, it seems a little expensive for an app, but... For what this sounds like it can do, that is cheap. And to be able to have the portability, that is cheap. And what's it export for the files again? That I don't see in the notes. That's something that we'll have to go back to because I, I definitely need to download it and try it. But uh, the announcement came out yesterday. So this has only been out for a couple days. Or actually, two days ago. I forget today's the 13th. So two yeah. days ago. And... I'm definitely going to try this out and see what it's it's like. Um, again, the photo app got app of the year in 2017, so I am sure this is going to be an incredible app on the iPad. I've heard nothing but good things about the desktop version. Now, I don't care how good this is. It's going to be really, really tough for me to pull away from Adobe. I am so integrated into the Adobe platform and into the Adobe software that it would be really hard for me to step away, but I definitely love the fact that there's this competition and that there's something else out there 
Like there's Corel Draw, there's Quark, there's other things, but it's nice to see another company coming out and really pushing the envelope and trying to compete. So, but you you made an interesting point when we were talking about this earlier. What did you say earlier about this? Um, that they if if I was the leadership of that company, I'd be thinking that I'm in a good position to get acquired by Adobe. Yeah, I could see that happening. That that could be interesting because we were talking about earlier that um, Adobe has Draw, which is their vector iPad app, and neither one of us really found it to be as robust as we would want to work with. And, and it's a doodling program. Yeah, it's basically to, and where this sounds like it's going to be much more intensive. So I, I'm curious to see it. I'll have to do a comparison between Draw and this once I get it downloaded. But I've been looking for an excuse to use my iPad more because I don't use it as much as I should for what I paid for it. So this is a good good reason to play with that. Now, another piece of news, because like I said, these guys have been making waves recently. They actually have made an announcement that in August, they will have a beta version of Affinity Publisher which is basically going to be their competitor to InDesign. I was like, ooh, okay, this could get interesting. I'm a huge InDesign user. It's probably the one program I have the most experience with and feel the most comfortable with. This is going to be interesting. So I have signed up to hopefully get into the beta to play around with this. But if it's anything like the photo and designer, this is going to make some noise. I think it's awesome yeah. that they've now decided to jump into that, which only leaves one area that they have not gotten into, and that's video. And I was actually texting a friend of mine before we jumped on who's in the video space, and he said it's only a matter of time. They've got to be working on a video platform to compete with Premiere and Final Cut Pro. Once yeah. that happens, they are going to be a powerhouse to be reckoned with, and Adobe either better keep their eyes on them or like you said, acquire them, which very well could happen, but we'll see. I mean, they haven't acquired Quark and they haven't acquired Corel Draw, so maybe they won't. Maybe they'll leave that competition out there. Well, Corel uh, attracts a different user, it seems, more the artistic ones that I've I've known in the the uh, convention industry. And Quark is doing a good job of getting rid of themselves. <laughs> um this company seems to have a product that is similar in application to Zara Extreme. I'm sure you remember that one oh, when yeah. we reviewed yeah. that years ago. But hopefully it's got a bigger presence. Zara just never really grew to be what it needed to be, I, I think. And they're probably still around. I know they're still around, but I don't know. The user base um, is not as large. And I know printers, printers get a little antsy if you're not using the Adobe programs. Yeah, we were talking about it, but back to what you were saying about um, Acera, they they are UK-based, and I think that's been a little bit of their struggle is trying to get out of just being UK-based. Right. Um, even the reviews I did for that software, most of the traffic was coming from the UK to see those reviews. So I think they had trouble breaking into the US market and that was a little bit of their struggle where with Affinity, they have broken into the US market with that photo program and really shaken things up. 
Um, obviously, there, there's people who love Lightroom. There's people who love Photoshop, the Adobe products, and use those. But having the endorsement of some really big photographers behind Affinity Photo, I think really helped them break out, not to mention winning App of the Year made a big deal too. So it is interesting. I think I, I agree with you what you were saying about Corel. I found that a lot of sign shops around here use Corel Draw, and it kind of makes me wonder why. But I think a lot of that has to do with price. I think the pricing structure is a little steep sometimes for people when it comes to Adobe and the subscription base. That's where Affinity is also breaking away from that idea of of subscription, they are not doing that. So that's another reason why I think some people are very attracted to Affinity software. And yeah, printers do tend to be a little weary if you're not using Adobe products. But I think like we talked about before we started, the PDF platform and the ability to make everything into PDFs. I Like I said, I haven't downloaded the app for the iPad, but if it doesn't make PDFs, that'd be crazy. I mean, it, it absolutely right. has to. So I, I think that it, it'll be interesting to play with it. I'll have to come back and let you guys know what I think of the iPad app. And like I said, it gives me an excuse to use my iPad a little bit more. So that's <laughs> what I have for some news this week. That's some pretty cool stuff. Um, what are we going to talk about today? So it, it came to mind that, you know, I'm almost a year into this and I'm thinking, you know, I've had a... I'm doing a really good run right now for launching my business and I'm always looking to the horizon. You know, it's always good to try and have a little money in the bank so that you can um, have uh, mon- basically stores for when th- things go dry, right? Yep. You know, it, this is a feast or famine thing. Anyway, client base, that's been on my mind and thinking, you know, you've heard the term, never put all your eggs in one basket. Um well, you know, th- those eggs are all different sizes too, hence the name ostrich eggs, chicken eggs, quail eggs, right? We yeah. want to make sure that we have a good um, uh, grouping of our client base, all clients of different sizes. I mean, your business cards clients may be your most reliable income um, at some points because they're always coming back with new employees or maybe they're doing new pushes or maybe they just need a new print run. Um, and you want those clients that are always going to keep coming back year after year because it, you know, it's easy money. You get the design time for formatting the cards and you get the markup on your printing, but you also want these larger clients like the retainer agreements. If you can find ones that are appropriate to your time. Or clients that, um, you know, you're doing a, a, a logo and branding project and, you know, you want to make sure that you work with the client throughout that project and you want them to keep coming back. Um, and then there's the corporate accounts, you know, the, uh, these are the type of things that they're great to work with, but it's sometimes really hard to land those accounts. So uh, this has been on my mind because, you know, some of my clients have an ebb and flow in the type of work that I'm doing. Yeah, I think it's important to make sure that you do have those clients of different sizes and have a variety of clients. One of the biggest things that they always tell you with business is never rely on one product, never rely on one client. As big as a client may be, they may take 75% of your time 
be careful with that because you have no idea what's going to happen to that client a year from now, two years from now, 10 years from now. You may have a great relationship with that client, but you may not be able to control that whatever product they sell or whatever service they have no longer is relevant and they start to lose market share and then they start to lose money and then they have to lay people off and they have to cut their budgets. And unfortunately, as a designer, marketing tends to be one of the budgets that tends to get cut first. So it's really important to have a variety of clients so that that one client that takes up most of your time, if something does happen, you have other things coming in as income and you don't get really screwed up with having that one client. And for example, I have, like you said, the business card clients that come back to me when they need business cards. And hopefully they translate into other projects and translate into brochures or or other products that they need for marketing. But sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just stay as business card clients. Same thing with branding. Like I may do a logo for somebody and it's a small business and they're not really looking to do quote unquote branding in the sense of like a huge guide and color, uh, guides and all that stuff. They're just looking to have a logo done because they're just trying to get off the ground. Hopefully they translate into bigger client or bigger projects and stuff like that, but they're good to have. And I agree, you want to have a way to have them come back to you. And that's where following up is really important, but also having a good relationship with them is really important because then they will come back to you. Like I had somebody come back to me. I don't think I've heard from him in two years. And all of a sudden he called me up the other day and said, hey, you know, I need some brochures. I've got a new office in Georgia. Can we do those new brochures? And I was like, wow, I haven't heard from you in a while. So it's good that I have that relationship. Now, I would say he's the 0.001% of my client base that comes to me once every two years. But it's good, too, to line up the bigger projects because you, you can actually have a better cash flow that way. Like, for example, I do layout for two business journals in my area. And that's a contract that I have where I know how much I'm getting every month from that contract. I do the same thing every month. I do the layout for each paper. And I know that income's coming. Now, that doesn't mean that at some point he may say, okay, I'm going to sell the paper to somebody else or not. He's an older gentleman, so he may be getting to that mindset of, hey, I want to retire, so maybe I want to sell it to somebody. And then maybe I won't be kept on as the contractor anymore. So I know that may happen. So I have other clients that I – and I continue to pull in new clients so that I have a continually growing client base because I have clients that really don't understand the scope of what I can do. And I don't have time to be in front of somebody every day to say, hey, can I help you with that? Or, hey, can I, I can do this. And a perfect example is I did a brochure for somebody that was, it was like an eight and a half by 11, almost magazine style brochure, drop off the final product, walk in the office, and she's got a bunch of new trifold brochures. And I looked at her and I was like, where'd those come from? And she's like, oh, so-and-so came in. So I gave him the project and I'm like, you know, that's what I do. Right. And she's like, oh, well, I didn't think about it. So you can't control how much comes from your clients sometimes. So in that case, I'm like, okay, I got this one project. And because I'm not in front of her every day, I didn't get these other ones. That doesn't mean I won't eventually, but it's just one of those things that I can't control that. But it is important to continually grow your client base so that 
as some fall off, whether they go out of business, whether they go with somebody else, you're continuing to pull in other clients that can help you with that stuff. So, and then I have clients that like, I did a huge rebranding project for a client. that's probably one of my biggest clients, not my biggest, but my most loyal where I do everything for them. I'm basically their marketing person and that's a great contract, but that has ebbs and flows too, because I do a bunch of marketing collateral. They don't really need my help for a little while. And then they'll come back and say, Hey, we have these ideas and we want to do this. Now I've structured it so that I go in and meet with them once a month to have a marketing meeting to kind of help pull work out of them and continue that relationship. So it's, it's important to do things like that, but it is, it is important to have the, 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 the chicken egg and the ostrich egg, and then to have a bunch of little quail eggs as, as well. Right. And, um, so sometimes when you think about this, um, how far forward thinking should we be? And I'll tell you right now, it can't be next week. It can't be next month because it takes a long time to just get a project, make the pitch, get started on that work and to plan out the timeline for that work. You got to make sure that you have sufficient cash flow. So if you're planning for your clients for next month, you're, you're, late to the game, I think. I think you want to try and be at least three months, maybe a quarter or two ahead of planning for what clients do you want to try and land? Absolutely. I think that's something, again, we can't control the ebb and flow of work because of what we do and because of the variety of what we do. Now, I know the newspaper is the first two weeks. Like I have one paper week one, the second paper week two. That doesn't change. And I know exactly how much work that is. I know how long it's going to take me and I know how much I'm going to get paid for that. That That sure. is a very structured contract and I know that's not going to change. However, like I was saying about my other client, I may go into a marketing meeting with them and they may like dump all of this stuff on me and say, hey, we need all of this stuff done. Or I may go into a marketing meeting and they may say, you know, Things are going really well right now. We're going to kind of hold off on doing any type of marketing because all our programs are full. So you, you don't know how that's going to ebb and flow. And you're right. You kind of have to look forward several months, several quarters and say, okay, who am I reaching out to? Because the other thing is like I had six different meetings this week. Maybe one or two of them I have a project, but the other four or five – our ongoing conversations to to take the next step because a lot of it was okay what do you do how can you help me now they're going to go back and say okay these are the things i think they can help me with and i'll have a second meeting with them so you have to think about that kind of stuff because i don't want to do that like i finished all these projects and i'm like okay now let's go have some meetings you don't want to be that way because now you're two, three, four weeks out without any projects to work on and without any cash flow. Right. Right. And, you know, you want to be reliable to the clients that you do have so that they throw those projects, the unexpected work to you, um, like those brochures you mentioned. Or I've got a client that I, I'm really just helping with their rebranding effort on their standard stuff, like their standard programs. But now they're bringing all of this client work to me. And when I deliver on that client work, I look all that much better. And they, be, they see me as a reliable source for, you know, even though they do have designers internally as well as, you know, contractors, 
they're coming to me because they know the turnaround time and they know that I've, I've done this type of work for, for a few years. So they, they, they've come to rely on me and my reputation, which is great. And I, and I think that goes back to the episode we did 164, where we talked about assumptions and expectations by setting those things up. Your clients know how you will react to, Oh my God, I need this by this weekend. And it may be, hey, there's a rush charge, but if you've already established that with them, they understand that. And at the same time, they also know that you're reliable enough to say, yes, I'm going to get it done and you're going to do it. You don't want to become that person that says, okay, I'll do it. And then you hand it to them on Monday after the weekend and they're not happy. You want to set up those assumptions and expectations ahead of time so that they know how you'll react when you're dealing with stuff like that and it is i mean it's all about relationships it's all about how you build those relationships with your clients so that one they'll refer you and you will continue to grow your client base because the best way you can get a good cash flow is to do really good work that gets them to talk about who you are and gets them to refer you you want to keep your cash flow going do really good work and then people will come to you yeah so Basically, just to push this metaphor over the cliff, <laughs> when these eggs hatch, you want them to become your songbirds. I picked up a, nice. another client. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <That was good. laughs> you want them to become your heroes and you want your personal brand to be reflected through them accurately. And I'm excited about this because one of my corporate clients um, just went to another corporate business which is kind of like a franchise and they've contacted me for work because they know i was reliable and even though i've worked you know parallel to them i've never actually delivered work exactly to them but to their team they know i'm another reliable source so they become my songbird and i definitely have these heroes that help support my business and i'm trying to make sure to thank them and to share the gratitude to let them know the success of the business uh, that they've sent me um, and to try and continue to feed and nurture that relationship because you don't want it to be one way. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to ta think of ways to show that gratitude because they already work within a business, uh, a system and they're not looking for clients themselves. So another thought uh, for me is how do I share that gratitude in a way that, you know, they'll appreciate more than just words, but you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's that's where, again, building that relationship where you may not necessarily be able to refer clients to them, but you may be able to, depending on what type of business it is. And it goes back and forth. It's funny. I was thinking about, back to your metaphor, that everybody always says, don't put all your eggs in one basket. I find that amusing because everybody also says you need to niche down. So it's kind of like, well, wait a minute. If I'm niching down and I'm only working with specific types of clients, then isn't that kind of putting all my eggs in one basket? Yes and no. I, I would say there's nothing wrong with diversifying a little bit, but don't have 600 different baskets. Have maybe two. Where it, and you may have things like I, I'm kind of, my business has some interesting things going on where I'm finding myself doing more consulting work than I'm actually doing any design and print work. I'm still doing that, but I find I'm doing more consulting. So I would say my design business is one basket. My consulting business is a much smaller basket. 
and has probably a bunch of little quail eggs in it at this point. But I do have what I would consider one ostrich egg in there that came to me because of my other basket. So you may find that you do diversify a little bit, but I just find it funny if people are like, don't put all your eggs in one basket, but remember to niche down. It, it kind of can't have both ways on that one. But to go along with that analogy, I do. I have a couple different baskets, and sometimes I have eggs in some of them, sometimes I don't. Like It took me a long time to transition some of my consulting and coaching I probably had one tiny little egg in there forever, and like you said, it finally hatched. And that one started tweeting, and not tweeting, but started making noise, and now all of a sudden it started attracting other clients to that basket. So now I have an ostrich egg in there, and my hope is when that hatches, that it attracts bigger clients. So you do have other baskets to move stuff around, and you may have clients that are in both. You may have clients that are only in one. So it is important to kind of be able to move that stuff around. But I just thought it was funny that don't put all your eggs in one basket, but remember to niche down. And you're like, what? Okay. So, you know, a few takeaways for me for this uh, uh, cast for today is, you know, be sure that you have a diversity of size for clients. Um, cause you, they're going to be spending different amounts of money at different points and it depends on how they rely on you. Make sure you nurture those clients so that when they, when they do hash, they become your, uh, preachers, basically your, your, you know, um, and then the other thing is to try and be forward thinking enough that you can always be trying to draw in new business that way when, um, a client does kind of crack i guess you know <laughs> this metaphor is dead by the time of the, yeah, this episode is. Is. <laughs> um you're able to kind of just weave bob and you know move on to the next thing right yeah yeah absolutely i, I think this is some great takeaways and it is it is important to really look at your cash flow and make sure that you're prepared for some lulls some low time i mean it all ha- it happens to every single designer i know I've talked to many designers that like I'm a perfect example. My first quarter was tough. My first quarter was very tough. Now I have had a very good year besides that. And it's made me really be conscious of the fact that one, I need to make sure that I have clients that are more readily available beginning of the year to, to really get some workflow in. But also I need to think about my cash flow and say, okay, I need to have a nest egg for when that happens again, because it's going to happen again. It's just, it's the nature of our business. It's not easy. So it is, those are really good takeaways. So I, I think that, I think we have knocked all the eggs out of the basket at this point. So I think we've definitely killed that analogy. I want an omelet now. <laughs> Ostrich one is a very big omelet. Um, <laughs> so let's jump into our rookie recommendations. What do you have this week? So I'm using an app to plan my trip for next month, um, and it's called Travify. Wait, this wait. App, you can't just glance over what that trip is. <laughs> what is that trip? I'm getting married five weeks from yesterday, <laughs> um, and so we're going to Scotland. And I've never traveled internationally, so I'm being a little OCD about planning <laughs> this out. 
and you know that includes itinerary that means gathering all my information my flight plan my rentals my uh where i want to go and the tickets for those events all gathered into one place planned out day by day knowing when and where i'm going to be um at least for the structured parts of this um for this trip the other parts are going to be laying down and laying low and just maybe local trips um and we'll kind of go wherever the wind takes us. But uh, me and my wife-to-be, we're, we're planning on, we're landing in Glasgow, and we're going to kind of, you know, stick around in Stirling. That's where uh, we'll be staying in Scotland and kind of hitting the sights. So cool. Travify is my recommendation. Um, and it's been great. I'm, I'm planning out this itinerary. You can share it with other people. So if you're planning, like, your the fishing trips that you're doing, you can plan dinner at a place, make reservations, you know, give everyone the location, um, when to be there, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I've not actually heard about that, but I could see where that could be really helpful even independently to say, hey, you know, I have some things I want to plan to do and just have all that information in a, a central place so you're not having to look all over the place for it. The only criticism I have for them is that their uh, app is not named the same as the website, um, which could be slightly confusing. So what's the app actually called? Our Itinerary. Okay. Which makes no sense, right? It yeah. should be called Travify. Yeah, All right, maybe so. Travify is the uh, parent company. It or something. Yeah. Kind, either kind, way, they Yeah, kind of like Seraph is the parent company of Affinity, so maybe it's something like that. Right. But yeah, it's, it looks like it's available for both uh iOS and Android. Is it a paid app or is it free? No, it's free. It's free. Awesome. Yep. Wow, it even has uh a chat chat system inside it too. Very cool. So yeah, I'll have to check that out. So, what do you got for me? Business Wars. This podcast is absolutely amazing. And if you're listening to us, obviously you like podcasts. And I highly recommend you check out from Wondery Business Wars. What it is is they take two different brands and they talk about how they basically fought each other in the business world. So the one that I really enjoyed was um, they had Marvel versus DC. And you learned all about how Marvel came to be, how DC was around, and like what they did to basically try to outmaneuver each other and outdo things, and and how how and it even gets into sometimes like business espionage and stuff like that, and how ideas were stolen or copied, and some really cool things like that. And then the other one that I really enjoyed, I. I was a long distance runner in high school and, and college. And so I knew some of the story behind Nike. Well, they did one Nike versus Adidas. And it talked about how Knight started the Nike brand and started that shoe brand and how t two guys in Germany started, two brothers started a company and then one broke off and did Adidas and one broke off and did Puma. And it talks about how that both of those companies came to rise and how they rose in the U.S. and how it all came down to branding and 
buying athletes to wear their stuff and how the whole reason that people believe Nike got as big as it did is because they had a contract with Michael Jordan to wear their shoes. And then Adidas was doing kind of the same thing in tennis and in soccer. So it's really cool because they have Ford versus Chevrolet. They have Hearst versus Holitzer, which I haven't listened to yet. They had Beats versus Monster, I think. So they they have a bunch of different things. And it's a, it's a series. So it'll be like a six to eight part series. And a lot of them are based on books people have written. And so the stories that are told are written by the person who wrote the book. And then a lot of times the last episode in the series will be an interview with either people that are involved in the industry or the person who wrote the book. And for like the, the Marvel versus D, DC, they actually interviewed Jay from um, Jay and Silent Bob because he's such a huge comic book freak. He he talked about his love for comic. He, he's so much of a comic book freak that he named his kid Logan based on the comic books character. So it's a really great podcast. It's really short, like half hour increments but there's usually like six to eight for each story and it goes from history to today and what's going on so i highly recommend it if you love hearing about how those wars have gone on between two different brands so the other one they did was um nintendo versus playstation and something i did not know is that nintendo was very much involved in the development of the first playstation i didn't know that there was supposed to be a, a Famicom CD player. PlayStation was developing it. Uh, Sony was. And at some point, it just broke off. Yeah. So, so and it, there's a whole story as to what happened with that and how angry they were at each other over how that all happened. So it's it's pretty cool. And same thing with Marvel DC, people who had left one company and jumped to the other. Same thing with Nike and Adidas. Some of the developers at Nike left Nike and went and joined Adidas. So it's, it's been really interesting to see like how those stories developed. So I highly recommend it. Um, I actually found out about it from Tim Ferriss on his podcast, and he very rarely recommends podcasts. And he recommended this one, and I've been addicted to it ever since. It's probably the number one thing that I listen to, and I highly recommend it. So those are our recommendations for this week. But before we go, I want to make an announcement. We are actually doing an interview for our next show. The interview is going to be with Tawny from Endeavor Creative. She has released a book that is absolutely outstanding. It's called The Client Attraction Mindset, a guide and workbook. We're actually going to bring her on and we're going to talk about her book. But the reason I want to make the announcement is you guys got to listen next week because we're going to give one of her books away. We'll let you know in that episode how you can win that book, and then the following episode after her interview, we'll let the person know who won. So be sure to listen next week when we do the interview with Tony, and you'll find out how you can win that book. So, if you guys want to find out more from us, you can go to rookiedesigner.com. Show notes for today's episode are at rookiedesigner.com slash rd168. Thank you. 168. And you can also find the links for Facebook, Twitter, all those things, all our social media stuff that we do right on rookiedesigner.com, as well as you can find places to subscribe. 
Again, if you do like what you hear, I'd love it if you could go over to Apple Podcasts and if you could leave us a review. It helps Apple find out that we're doing a good show. It also lets other people know that we're doing a good show. So if you get a chance, we'd really appreciate it if you go over there and give us a review. And I think that's where we are for this week. And remember, tune in next week for that interview and to find out how to win that book. Remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. Mm-hmm.